everyone to episode 37 in our NCAA social series. I'm Andy Katz. Pleased to be joined by Villanova head coach Jay Wright, San Francisco head coach Todd Golden, and Dr. Jeremy Cowells from the Sanford Medical Center in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, also a member of the NCAA Medical Advisory Group. All right, guys. Uh, first, I want to start with uh, Coach Wright and Coach Golden here. Um, I'm actually, as we're taping, back in the Mohegan Sun bubble. You guys were in the bubble, both played four games. Uh, and then uh, Dr. Caldwell's obviously just completed a tournament up in Sioux Falls. So we want to get to some anecdotes first and then go big picture about how everyone is dealing with the pandemic now that we're playing men's college basketball. Uh, Jay, I'm going to start with you uh, because you were contracted to come for two games. You ended up staying for four. Uh, what was your experience like at the bubble? It was a great experience, Andy. It really was. Um, and, and I think big picture, what we took out of it is it, it gives you confidence that whatever happens this season, any team that's fortunate enough to get to the NSA tournament, you can see how you, how you can pull this off. Um, but we were going to play two games. And uh, while we were there, Temple University uh, had to pause because of the virus. They were supposed to be playing Virginia Tech in the bubble of Mohegan Sun. And um, so we were asked after our second game at about one o'clock in the morning if we would stay and play Virginia Tech, which seemed great because we weren't gonna be able to play Temple. And uh, then we were supposed to go home to play St. Joe after that. St. Joe was also supposed to come to the bubble and uh, they had to pause. So after our game against Virginia Tech about one o'clock in the morning, um, the Gazelle group offered us the chance to play Hartford. So then we said, we'll stay again. So the, um, on the coaches, it's not bad. The psychological impact on the players thinking that they're going home each time was probably the toughest part to deal with. And I want to get back to the protocols as we go around here in, in the different locations and how everyone dealt with them and, and going forward. Uh, but let's first deal with, uh, you know, how you got through it. And I want to turn to you, Todd, because you had an interesting story as well. Uh, because you were supposed to be in Lincoln, Nebraska, and then quickly changed, and suddenly you're in Connecticut across the country. Explain how all that transpired. You get four games out of it, and, and you knock off Virginia in the process, too. Yeah, you know, it was, a, it was a wild couple of weeks, to be honest. You know, we thought we had a pretty uh, comfortable situation set up in Lincoln, and, and we knew who our opponents were going to be. And then the Friday before uh, the season started, we, we found out that that thing had basically fallen apart and we were sitting there with no games the first week of the season. We were fortunate uh, that St. Bonaventure had to drop out of the event and there was a spot open and, and quickly uh, we pivoted to head out there and, and uh, it, it, we were really fortunate that we ended up having a landing spot and uh, like Jay talked about, you know, we, we had like three or four different teams that we were supposed to play before we finally settled on UMass Lowell being our first game. And it seemed about every evening around 10, 11 o'clock, we got a call about, hey, would you guys maybe prefer to play this team or could you pivot to do that? And uh, to be honest, we, we were just so grateful to be able to compete and, uh, you know, to get out of there with four games in five days, our guys were pretty tired, but they, they were just appreciative. And uh, it was a lot better than the alternative of not getting able to play. So uh, before we address the actual things on the ground of what you guys had to deal with, I want to turn to you, Dr. Cowles, because you guys had a similar situation uh, in Sioux Falls, where you had eight teams, and then for various reasons, and a lot of it obviously had to do with the surge in South Dakota. Some teams decided, look, we don't want to go to South Dakota. Ohio State was one. Texas A&M was another. 
and you had to deal with a revolving number of teams and you guys pulled it off. You got an eight-team event in there. West Virginia ended up winning it uh, and looking really good in that and knocking off Western Kentucky. Um, but from a medical standpoint, as you're dealing with different teams and different state protocols and different teams coming in, how hard was that for you guys to have to deal with that on short notice of, of dealing with, you know, new populations that you were going to be bringing in? Um, first of all, I've got to give all of my credit to the, to the team at Sanford and the lab team that did have to do all of those pivots. You know, the first and most important thing is making sure you can report appropriately to the right state um, and making sure that you can tell people where the COVID cases are coming from, if you have any. And then it's just about making sure you can get all of the testing done and getting it all to flow through in a regular, you know, in a manner that's acceptable for the teams and acceptable for, from a medical standpoint. And the, the group that works around me did a wonderful job of making sure we had all of those tools ready to go by the time the players were on the ground. So Dr. Cowles, um, as I said, these kind of events are ending, which is normal at this time of the year. Um, so now we got to transition to more of the single games and, and Todd just uh, had one at Nevada where they knocked off the Wolfpack uh, on the road. Jay's got one coming up at Texas. And then we're going to get into conference play for the WCC Big East and obviously everyone else. How do you take what happened in South Dakota, Connecticut, Vegas, you know, you, you name it, Asheville, North Carolina, and now apply it to these single games, the protocols that must happen for us to have a complete and safe season? I think the big part is, you know, what we did right now is what I would call proof of concept. You know, we, we put together a very controlled environment and we were able to get, get through games and, you know, have a lot of fun doing it. Uh, where we're headed now is really does proof of concept translate into a normal schedule? You know, as we're testing and as we're bringing kids in, be it, you know, strictly by the NCAA books, you know, three times a week or whether or not it's more often than that, depending on your conference. Um, what it still boils down to is something that's a little bit tougher, and that is keeping a bunch of college kids in a place where they're effectively using their own bubble. You know, let's face it, it's college. Um, I can't imagine what would have happened if I, when I was in college if this would have been the rules you had to live by. But thinking about, you know, Jay and Todd's uh, players, it's really sort of on them as much as it is anything else to make sure they're limiting those exposures. It was different when we had you know, 10% of our tests positive in various regions and stuff like that, that you might meet one out of 10 people who was walking around with COVID and didn't know it. But in certain places, and unfortunately, South Dakota did make some headlines with this, we were at a point where our testing results were 40 or 50% positive of the people we were bringing in to test. And when you get to there, it really requires those players to be very cognizant about being in that bubble mentality and being willing to forego some of their normal college life in order to be ready to play. But Dr. Collins, how also do you deal with the fact that all these conferences are in different states for the most part, and you're going to have different state protocols and, um, you know, potential testing protocols or, uh, you, you know, and I know conferences will sort of have their own criteria, but how do you deal with the different states that all these teams are going to have to compete in? The good news is that most of the states do a pretty good job of following the CDC guidance. Now, the difficult part for that was the CDC guidance was never meant for basketball. It was meant for normal life. And so generally when we're doing this, whether you're working with a representative of a state or a representative of a team, in both cases, um, 
the, the correct thing to do is exactly as Jay described, you take a bit of a pause, you have a chance to sit down with the team that's involved. Um, hopefully there's not more than one, but some of these consecutive day events, you do have that. And you sit down with somebody from a public health role or somebody from a health system role like mine, and you really try to go through and determine, you know, A, was there an exposure? B, how much of the team did the exposure affect? And B, what is it going to do to their bubble? Um, I think that's huge. I think one of the other things that's huge right now is actually the changes that the CDC just brought out, quite honestly, with the help of the NCAA in the background, um, to adjust protocols and quarantines to be a little bit quicker for those folks who have had exposure but never had any symptoms. All right, so that was a great segue because I was going to go there and I want to get Jay and Todd's reaction to this. And Jay, you're on that, or you know, I don't know if it's still going on, but it hadn't been going on all throughout the pandemic, that Thursday call of a number of high profile coaches. And that had been a big issue about the uh, quarantine for contact tracing of 14 days. And now with the CDC coming out, that it can be just seven with a negative test, 10 without. Um, how much of a game changer could that be for the sport, let alone the student bodies at these various universities and the general public? I think it's, it's going to have a, a big impact. You know, uh, I thought Doc made a really interesting point that the CDC measures, and this can be taken both ways, conservatively and, and liberally, the CDC measures were not meant for college athlete, college athletes, you know, the age, the, the health, or the situation that they're in, you know, that they're being tested all the time. And so, as you know, on our calls with the coaches, you had got coaches from different states, high profile coaches who are used to making the decisions themselves. And uh, they're not doctors. We're not doctors. So this was a big issue because it, it impacted us in, in late September, early October, where we had a, a guy test positive on a Tuesday. We tested other, the whole team. Guys did not test some guys didn't test positive until Saturday. And then we didn't, we actually had two other guys test positive on Tuesday. So all their quarantine times started, you know, in a staggered number. So it actually impacted our team for 23 days until we got everybody back on the court. Now with the seven and 10 day, it, and then the other part of that that I forgot to mention is if you're out that long, it takes you longer to get back into shape to play. So it can impact your team for close to 30 days. And we were saying back then, if this would have happened during February and we impacted our team for 30 days, you know, this, this could be like 12, 13 games. So now with the seven and 10 day quarantines, it, at least when you come back, um, you don't have as long that it's going to take to get ready. And, and you're always taking a little bit of a, a tiny bit of a risk, but I think we have, we have a lot more data now than we did back then that, that we can, we can be safe with these numbers. You know, Todd, I'm just curious also from your vantage point that how you deal, how do you balance the optics here um, where you're trying to have a season um, at the same time, you know, different policies or, mandates or directives are coming and obviously one in northern california and southern california you know teams are having to relocate for three weeks at a time and you're trying to balance like this craziness and the schedule and now suddenly you know you could be in a situation 
where you can't play at home, you can't practice at home, you have all these things that are coming at you. How, how do you deal with all that? Just the best we can. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, been, uh, it's been difficult. You know, it really has. And, uh, you know, I, I want to give a lot of credit to our guys because like Dr. Jeremy talked about, a lot of the onus is on them um, to make good educated decisions and to not put themselves in situations that might compromise their health in which compromises the team and our opportunity to compete. Um, but yeah, you know, we're obviously in a, in a, in a more strict environment here in Northern California. Uh, you know, I, I thought the CDC legislation was huge to cut it from 14 to seven. I think that makes sense, especially in our game. And, and what coach Wright hit, hit on, which I, I think is, is really important. And I still think there's a little bit of a disconnect because we our access to testing and the mandate to test three times per week, uh, I think gives us in, in the college basketball world, um, the opportunity to identify remove and contact trace better than really any entity you know across the country and so I think this is a we're, our, our student athletes are safe I, I feel very confident about that I, I think all of our guys feel the same and uh, if we can continue to work through some of these kinks and and I, to be honest I consider what's happened already to be a huge success you know for the amount of games that we've been able to get in in college basketball and to see the progress that we've made I, I feel really good about the rest of the season. Um, Dr. Cowles, obviously you've been on this advisory board as well, and I'm sure there's a lot of different opinions from different uh, parts of the country, uh, different docs who have different specialties. What's that been like for you to listen um, where there may be a different opinion from a different part of the country about the way all of this should go? No, we agree on everything. It's not an issue. <laughs> but, but no, uh, seriously, I think that's one of the things that was that came up to us very quickly is as you're talking to, you know, I know you've met Cam Wolf from Duke and, you know, some of the other folks on this call, on these calls as well. You know, as you're talking through all of those things, just coming to a consensus, just coming to this is what we would do every time in this situation, or, you know, this is what we would do every time in this situation. There aren't too many of those situations where there's an every time. And so working with the different officials, whether it be public health officials, whether it be university physicians, is, has really been, I think, the most nuanced portion of this um, is, you know, the CDC can put out very clear criteria, but, you know, how long one of Jay's players was around a, a, another player and does it qualify as 10 minutes and that sort of thing has really been the difficult part to wrestle um, with from a committee standpoint is we're trying to say the right thing to do is number one, try to get back to playing, you know, basketball, wrestling, football, whatever, but number two, to do it as safely as possible so we don't endanger the lives of any players, any coaches, or any of the rest of the staff that travels, works, and moves with these teams every day. Jay, the one thing that I want to keep hammering uh, this entire year, and we've talked about it at length on this program, is the mental health aspect. Um, you know, I, I got a tiny little taste of it, what you guys were talking about when we were in these rooms for 30 hours waiting for the test. Now, we knew there was you know, sort of light at the end of the tunnel because we knew we were getting out once we got that negative test. Uh, we weren't staring at seven days, 14 days at length. That's just one part of it. The other thing Dr. Cowles and, and you guys were talking about is the mental health aspect of that pressure that, hey, this is on you guys to make sure you take care of your own business and don't get a positive by who you're associating with and socializing, even though you have no idea who has it. Um, what's that mental health aspect like? And I'd like for Jay and Todd both to comment on this as these players are going through an incredibly stressful time? You know, the, it, it's really important. And, and these guys are 18 to 22. And it, it's, it's a, I'm, I'm, we're coaching completely differently. And, and I, we talk to our team about it all the time. And 
Um, we ask them questions. You know, we, we are always asking them about how they feel and we're telling them um, there's, no, there's no wrong feelings. You know, what, 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 you, what you feel like matters. And we didn't make the decision to stay unless they all agreed. And, and you know, as coaches, we can, we, we can get our point across and make them make the right decision. But we, we didn't do that in this case. We, we really let them decide if they wanted to stay or not. Um, and there's different parts of it. As you, as, as you said, there's personal responsibility. Like the first time one of our guys tested positive, he felt terrible, you know, that he had brought the whole team down. And it really, it wasn't like he was out at a party or anything. He just got it, you know? And, um, and then the second part is like being being in a bubble for, I, I guess we were there seven days, seven, eight days. That's, we, you know, it's not like we were in Orlando. We were out golfing or anything. We were in Connecticut. We didn't see the sun, right, Todd? Like, it's, it's dark in there. And that gets to you, too. So we, we really have our, – our team doctor is, is, is really cognizant of that. We are as a staff. I think it's going to be really important going through this season. Todd, pick up, please. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, all of that aligns with everything. You know, when, when we were flying out to uh, Connecticut, you know, we had – an opportunity to pick up an extra game. And, and the first thing I did was I went to my, my leadership committee in my program, which is two seniors and two juniors. And I, I just asked them, I said, hey, you know, do you guys want to play a fourth game? You know, would, would that be too much on you guys physically and mentally to pick up a fourth game? Or, you know, would you rather just stick with three? And, and I think, you know, giving the student athletes um, as, you know, a seat at the table in these decisions is very important, you know, because they're the ones that are making a lot of the sacrifices, uh, especially socially. And, you know, I think it is tough, like, like Coach Wright said, you know, some, like there's a lot of pressure on these, on these young men in our programs to, to stay healthy and not contract the virus when, when sometimes it, it might, you know, there might be a situation where it just happens where they're not doing something uh, that we would consider to be a bad decision. Uh, so I think that's, that's uh, wearing on them a little bit. But at the same time, with the end game being able to play, I think for a lot of these young men, it makes it all worth it because, you know, to have gone through another year, uh, you know, like last season, it got cut short and, you know, a lot of the seniors didn't get to finish out the right way. And, and I don't know how well our young men would do if we would have got to the starting point here and said, hey, you know what? No, we're, we're going to push back the season or we're not going to play this. I think that would have been equally, if not worse in regards to their mental health than the current situation right now. And Dr. Cowles, you know, one other aspect that I thought Jay brought up was that uh, I think sometimes people forget, OK, so now they're on pause for whatever it is, seven, 14 days okay, you can play on day 15. And forgetting about that, and, and Dr. Hamline has talked a lot about this, that, that muscular skeletal issue of you probably haven't been working out, nowhere near what you normally would be, and now suddenly you're just going to be playing, and you really run the risk of injury. So how do you also deal with that aspect of making sure that there's a safety of just actually being physically fit to compete even after you've either recovered from the virus or had to isolate or quarantine due to a contact trace. Absolutely. I think one of the, I think this is where folks like our physical therapists and our athletic trainers um, really are doing a wonderful job and have been asked to do something they've never had to worry about before. You know, they, they've been used to getting people into shape and keeping them there. And to now ask them to get somebody into shape, give them two weeks off and then try to get them back into shape, you know, in what could be a couple of days or a week, you know, for a lot of these guys, that's, you know, work that they've never been asked to do before. And as a, as a, you know, college kid, they probably haven't taken that many days off from a basketball in years, you know, maybe in their life.
And so I very much, you know, I'm a little over six foot four inches tall and I would be considered, you know, a small moving vehicle in many of these floors. And, you know, I think this is as close there as they're ever going to get to feeling like weekend warriors. You know, what, what happens on that first day back after 14 off? Well, one last topic here. I just want to get your, all your opinion on this um, is the elephant in the room and that's the vaccine, which is the great news, but it's not here yet. It's not coming in the short term for this population as best as we can tell. Um, here in December. So Jay, how do you deal with that, that, you know, your players, everyone's reading all this, this is great, the vaccine's coming, but yet it's a shot, then it's three weeks, then it's a shot, and it may take up to 14 days to feel immune. So it's a process. So let's temper that enthusiasm, and we're gonna have to deal with the now of getting through the season and probably the sensitively tournament with this present conditions rather than sort of this magic pill of the, of the vaccine, which may not affect this particular season. How do you balance that enthusiasm with the reality right now, Jay? Well, I, I do think it, it, it adds a, uh, a positive impact to their mental health, that they do see there's a light at the end of the tunnel. There, there was, even though it might not impact them this year, but there was a point during this season where people were saying, you know, we might be in the same situation next season. And you think about guys, as Todd mentioned, that, they didn't get to play in the NCAA tournament last year. Then you're going through this year. And in the back of their minds thinking, we might have to do this again. It's kind of given them a, a, a clearer picture to say, all right, if, if I can do this this season, this, this will probably one season in my career. Uh, before the vaccine, I don't think they were really sure of that. Todd? Yeah, I completely agree. I think it makes it a little easier, uh, you know, for these for these young men to sacrifice so a lot of the social things they're doing right now, knowing that it's really, you know, at this point, hopefully it's just maybe two or three more months um, that they might not be able to do what they normally do with their friends or, you know, have parties or, you know, be social, go to the movies, whatever it may be. And if they can just, you know, hang and be mentally tough for another couple months and, and make those sacrifices and get us healthy through the season that, you know, moving forward, we will hopefully be able to go back to what we considered normal. Dr. Collins, I want to give you the last word on the vaccine and balancing the, the news out there. Um, I think the vaccine is great. Um, I, I will tell you, not only do I think it's great from the standpoint of helping folks, but from the science that they went through to get it done, um, this vaccine is not only a new method, but I think one of the cleanest and easiest ways of delivering a vaccine that we've ever come up with. Don't get me wrong, you've got to have a pretty good freezer to, to store it. But other than that, um, really, really good. I, I do want to jump back in on one thing that uh, Todd just talked about as well, and that is that light at the end of the tunnel. You know, for many of these athletes and for many people, what we see every day is that if you were anxious before this happened, you're twice as likely to be hospitalized for that anxiety. If you were depressed, you're twice as likely to be hospitalized for that depression. And so to give people that light, to give people that ability to see the end of the tunnel and say, hey, I can make it to there, that in my opinion is a win. Um, and the fact that the vaccine happens to do its job very, very effectively, it just adds to that win. Dr. Caldwell's. Todd Golden, Jay Wright, I appreciate your time. Uh, most importantly, stay safe out there. We're going to get through this. There's definitely light, as everyone has said, uh, at the end of this. Uh, as always, you can go to ncaa.org slash social series for all episodes that are archived right there. We'll talk again next week. Stay safe, everyone. <laughs>